Digital marketing seems to be the mystery that most entrepreneurs struggle with, and real estate investors are no exception. The truth is, there are multiple avenues to success. Those experiences will be best shared by the guests on this podcast. My name is Jason Wright, and I would like to welcome you to Real Estate Investor Marketing Stories. What is going on, Jason Wright here? And I want to welcome you to episode number five of the show. So you know what's crazy is years and years ago in a different podcast that I hosted called Intentionally Inspirational, I had John Lee Dumas on from EO Fire, and he told me that the average podcast doesn't make it to 10 episodes. And that was years ago, so I can't imagine how low that number is now. Let's pretend it's still 10. The, the beauty is I've already recorded 10 episodes, so I will not become a statistic, my friends. We're not going away anytime soon. So I was thinking about this today. What's the best lead source you've ever had so far? Think about that for a second. And I was just reflecting on mine. And it surprisingly, it's word of mouth. It's referrals. It's old school, right? It's just, uh, you know, it's face-to-face, relationship-based marketing. But it takes time. Like, it doesn't happen fast. But I'm telling you, if you can build that up and you can get investors because your best investors bring you new ones, once that machine starts to churn, man, it is uh, it's really, really nice to be able to grow your business just with warm and even hot leads coming to you all the time. So it's amazing what happens when you take care of people under promise and over deliver. So today I've got another great guest um, coming on the show. I speak with Axel Ragnarsson. He is the founder of Aligned Real Estate Partners. He's also the host of his own podcast. It is called the Multifamily Wealth Podcast. I actually had the opportunity to meet him face to face last year down in Miami. And I'm six foot five, and I think he might be even taller than me. He's a pretty big guy. So nice guy, big dude, not what I was expecting. Um, I'd seen him before in video and just thought he was average height, but he really surprised me. Big guy. So we have an awesome conversation. But yeah, let me let you check it out for yourself. So. Let's get into it. What is going on, Axel? Welcome to the show, man. Hey, Jason. Thanks for having me. Looking forward to it. Very cool. So um, I'm curious to know, how did you get started in real estate investing? You know, I've met you face-to-face before. Uh, I don't know your story, so I'm really curious to hear this. Yeah, sure. So um, if I go back about seven, eight years or so, I'm in college, always been pretty entrepreneurial and was always running the side businesses and you know, I was the kid at school selling the baseball cards. That was my story. And I had entrepreneurial parents growing up. They, they ran a wood shipping business. <laughs> so nothing to do with real estate, but, you know, they were business owners. So I was exposed to that lifestyle early on. And, you know, right as I started, uh, right as I went to college in the first couple of years in college, I was buying and selling cars. Like that was my hustle at the time. And realized that wasn't going to be the, the long-term solution to my life. So I started thinking about what can I buy and sell that's bigger than this? What, you know, what kind of businesses can I start that, that don't require like specialized knowledge and whether it was HGTV or just Google searches or what have you at the time I found real estate and I specifically wanted to flip houses. I said, Hey, that looks, you know, that looks great. You need big checks, you know, and make a house look really nice and all of that. So that was what, what drew me to real estate initially. But as I started learning about flipping houses, I was learning more and more about income producing real estate, just because it's hard to miss it as you learn about real estate. And I realized that was maybe the route to go for, for me, you know, the idea of building a portfolio that pays you every month and allows you to, 
you know, some freedom in your life that, that sounded really intriguing. So I was in college and I started looking for, um, small multifamily properties, two to four unit multifamily properties. I was going to school in New Hampshire and uh, I was looking kind of around my hometown because I grew up in New Hampshire as well. And I found a, a deal on Craigslist. It was a for sale by owner, great price. And I was working an internship at the time where I was working with some, some wealthy folks that did some, you know, startup investing, some private money lending, and, uh, just convinced one of the guys that I worked with to lend me the money to buy the deal. And, uh, and that was deal one. And after that, it was just organically growing a portfolio through finding great deals, uh, creatively financing them and just basically pulling my money out and got to about 50, 60 units before really starting the business, you know, aligned real estate partners, which is the business I run now. And that's where we started to raise capital. We started to do larger deals. And now, you know, we predominantly buy 20 to you know, 100 unit multifamily properties with a value add components. And we raise money from investors to do so. And so basically it's just been organic growth for seven, eight years, just bigger and bigger deals, bringing in more and more investors and uh, looking to continue doing that into the future. Awesome, man. I love it. So you touched on it a little bit. Are apartments kind of the main asset class you focus on or is there any others? And then like, what markets do you really prefer as well? Curious about that. Mm -hmm. So we're all multifamily, all apartments. Yeah. It, we try to really stay focused on that because I think it's easy to start looking at different asset classes and it's, it's, you know, in my opinion, it takes years to really get good at investing in one type of asset. So we're just now really mastering multifamily. So we want to stay in our lane. And so I personally live in Boston. We buy up in New Hampshire. So an hour north of Boston is one of the markets that we buy in. We have a vertically integrated team up there. We own our management company. You know, it's kind of the backyard for me. Yep. And then we also invest down in central Florida as well. So uh, we've done numerous deals in Lakeland, Florida in that area. So between Tampa and Orlando, I'd like to, to do more down in Florida. That's probably 25, 30% of the deals we buy are down there, but I'd like that to, to be a higher percentage. And uh, we're looking to add a couple of markets this uh, this year as well in terms of different cities and states up and down the East Coast. So we're starting to look at the Carolinas, but everything's on the East Coast. Everything's within a three hour flight of Boston. And you know, since we operate everything that we buy, uh, we want to be close in order to you know, get down to check on the asset, to do asset management and stuff like that. Got it. Makes sense. It's funny because like I'm obviously in a, a different business, but when I got started with digital marketing, I was so broad, dude. It was, I did everything. Yeah. You would pay me and you needed help or something, I'd figure <laughs> it out. But like you said, uh, I really realized and recognized that like I'm only able to put so much time into these different areas. So I'm like C minus at best in everything, you know? And it's like when you niche down, whether it's in, you know, raising capital or investing or whatever, uh, it does give you the opportunity to become really, really good at one thing. And I think it's great advice. I think it's really smart. So, mm -hmm. And I think it's it's so easy to get lost in the opportunity too. Like you can make money doing anything, right? I mean, I was doing like multifamily. I was trying to buy short-term rentals a couple of years ago because everybody was buying them and it looked really fun to own a beautiful property in this vacation destination. So I was like six months trying to buy a vacation rental. I was like, what am I doing? Like I, I'm good at multifamily. Let me stay in my lane because every time you jump to another thing, you're resetting the learning curve and it's you know, it's hard. It can be hard to to grow a business when you're doing that because you're not letting the compounding effects of time work in your favor. So yeah, it's it's a challenge. Right? I think everybody deals with it. I think it's just part of the part of the process. Absolutely, that's really really good advice. So I'd love to hear this from you. What simple marketing strategies and tactics kind of allowed you to start getting traction with your business? 
Mm -hmm. So I think just from a, from a strategic standpoint, a higher level standpoint, and then I can mention some tactical stuff. So very, very fundamentally just sharing my story online was huge. Right. And that's vague. So I'll, I'll break it down. But I think a lot of real estate investors, they like real estate. They like running the numbers. They like finding the deals. They like, you know, doing all of the activities associated with acquiring real estate and operating real estate. But if you want to truly scale your business, whether that's raising capital or whether that's making it a lot easier to find potential partners and service providers and vendors and, and deals, et cetera, it really helps if you have a presence and people just start coming to you versus you going to them. So for me, that was at the time, this is a couple of years ago now, almost three years ago now, I started getting really consistent in terms of posting on Instagram. And for me, that was just a platform. That was a social media that I just personally used. Like I didn't personally have a Facebook. So for me, it was like Instagram was my platform. So I'll just start posting on there yeah. and started to meet other investors, started to meet just a lot of people that could either indirectly or directly assist with what we were doing. And over time that following grew and following grew and our business started to grow as a result of that in a very direct correlation. And that led to starting a podcast because we had all these Instagram followers and I was like, oh, let me start a podcast. We can kind of start that with a bit of a head start yeah. and started getting consistent with the podcast. And then the podcast leads to, you know, to starting the email list and everything else. But when we bring it all back, it was just picking, and this is the more tactical piece of it, just picking one platform to just document what we were doing, you know, not really anything other than we just bought this deal. Here are the numbers. You know, here's the pictures before we did our unit turns. Here's the pictures after, you know, this is what I learned this week. Like, you know, five things that went wrong on this project and, you know, there's five posts over the course of a couple of weeks and just documenting what we were doing and sharing our story and doing that consistently on one platform until we grew a bit of an audience. And then we started to cross pollinate. Right. And I think that's probably the technical industry term is we were taking the followers from one platform and dragging them to another place, whether that was sending them to our email list, sending them to our podcast to listen to the podcast. You know, I started getting more active on LinkedIn after I had already been active on Instagram. And I said, hey, go connect with me on LinkedIn. And and oftentimes I can repurpose an Instagram post to throw on LinkedIn. So it's not that much of an additional time investment. And it all starts with just mentally committing to sharing your story and just giving some value away. And then from there, once you start growing that one platform, you could start to, to, to blend it with others. And, uh, and that's when, you know, the, the snowball starts to really grow as it rolls down the hill, uh, hypothetically speaking. Yep. That's great, man. It's the old, uh, think back Gary V. I used to consume a lot of his content and I, I just don't consume as much as I used to cause I'm busy doing other stuff, but he always talked about document versus creating. Not only is it more powerful, but it, it's, it, it saves you so much time doing it cause you're just hitting record and talking about or doing what you were going to do anyway. So it's really, really smart. It falls into kind of that bucket. Uh, what I like personally as well is attraction-based marketing, right? Instead of you awkwardly going after people, people are coming to you. I like how you roll. I like your story. I like, you know what I mean? So uh, mm -hmm. it just boils down to it, man. It's all about the relationship and, and, and life, life, business, everything is the relationship is what matters. So beautiful, beautiful, beautiful. Let me ask you, let me kind of go a different direction with you here. What would you say the biggest mistake you've made in marketing so far is? Do you look back on something and go, what in the world? What, what was I doing there? I have like one very specific <laughs> thing that I'm still that I'm still dealing with. And it's maybe not like a tactical decision where I made a decision at a point in time and I, you know, there were two crossroads and I went one way versus the other or something like that. But just in terms of my approach, so 
I've been sharing my story and, and documenting what we were doing, but I've been doing so without my face involved, which is like an interesting little subtle difference. So, you know, I'll go out there, record a walkthrough. I'll go out there, take pictures of the units. I'll go out there and do that stuff. But the camera's always facing away and not towards me. Oh. And for me, you know, I, I don't know if it's like, you know, without getting too deep, right? Like the judgment thing, or just I don't want it to put my face online. I really wanted to do that. And I think that's a hurdle for like a lot of people. And it still is for me. And I'm just now starting to like embrace video content where I'm talking into the camera and throwing it up online. And I didn't do that forever. And I grew my Instagram following maybe in spite of that, because that probably would have helped along the way. Yeah. And I left a lot of relationship development, I guess, on the table, right? In terms of if you follow somebody online, right? If you think about the people you follow, you probably resonate the most with the people that you see their face on a regular basis and you have a sense of familiarity. Yeah. My sense of familiarity was like audio through the podcast, right? Which helps. That's better than, you know, no voice, no nothing like that. But the last level to that is video. And I just, I'm only now am I starting to do that. And if I had done that for the last few years, you know, would definitely, would absolutely have more investors in the business because there's just a lot more passive trust built probably have more followers, you know, embracing Instagram reels where I'm putting my face up on a camera. And I think that I would just have a better connection with the audience that I have outside of, you know, having great connections with everyone, but it's more of, but it's less personal and it's more like uh, professional, I guess, I guess would be the way to describe it. So uh, the takeaway there is the best content that you can produce if you want to, you know, meet investors and you want to make authentic relationships with people in the business, which is what we care about in real estate is to get your face out on the social media or out in your email list or whatever your meeting is, get on YouTube and, and make it more personal in that respect. Yep. And, and I would just tell you, you know, we can't undo what's been done. So learn from it, move on, brother. You're a good looking guy. Oh, yeah. Nothing to, you got no reason to hide. So. <laughs> yeah, man. I, I don't know. It's like, you know, maybe it's a shell thing, but you're right. And, and it's like, it's an easy thing to tweak and it's, you know, again, right it takes time to get comfortable doing that. And for me, it was a little bit more of a gradual thing than something where I was like, flip the switch right away. Let's hop right on, get, you know, get the face online, all that stuff. So yeah. I just push people to, if you're uncomfortable with that, just do it. And you'll probably start to be a little less uncomfortable with it as you get the reps in. Yeah. And you may even go further and start like enjoying the living hell out of it and be like, I don't ever want to turn it off, you know? So yeah, exactly. <laughs> all right. So here's another kind of curveball for you. Would you be willing to share a story with uh, something that's happened on your real estate investment journey that you haven't shared publicly, you haven't shared anywhere else, like on another podcast? It could be happy, sad, funny, whatever you want. Yeah, that's a good one. You're like, I'm taking that for my show. I'll do a funny one because um, why not? I, I guess it's it's an interesting, it'll probably speak to, to folks that want to invest passively. Stories like this are what push people to investing passively versus actively, but I remember this is, you know, probably four or five years ago. Portfolio is maybe 15, 20 units. Like it was just me personally buying deals. Yep. And, uh, and the reason I share this is because I've, I've, I haven't mentioned it on a podcast that I've been, but I've mentioned it to other people personally who still self-manage their real estate and who are still so involved in the management. Right. Yeah. And I know so many people that just refuse to give it up because they, they like the control of it. They feel like they're saving money and that their properties are performing better. And the one, the inflection point that I had in my business where I was like, I will never do that again. I would, I would prefer to get out of the business versus even stay in the business was I owned a, I think it was an eight unit property. It was in a city in New Hampshire called Manchester, a bit of a rougher area. And I was pulling up to meet a carpet guy and we were turning, you know, units and he was coming in to, to bid the space and start the work. And as we pull up, 
there was literally a guy standing on the back deck that all of the tenants needed to use. You know, you walk up in this little deck and then you go in the common area. So everybody uses this space. It wasn't exclusive to his unit. And just pants around his ankles, just taking a dump, like on the deck in broad daylight <laughs> at 2.30 in the afternoon. And I, I remember pulling into the parking lot, like in the, he's in the middle of it. And I was just like, I like literally, I literally couldn't believe my eyes. I go, I'm just, I'm going to go hire. And I literally hired a property management company three hours after that. I remember seeing that and I, and I, and I already was kind of in the headspace, but like, I, I wasn't ready to give it up yet. And I remember calling the guy. I said, "Send me the contract as soon as you could possibly get it drafted. Like I, I want this off my plate like tomorrow." Yep. And so, and I, I again I haven't told it on a podcast, but I've told this story to passive investors. I'm like, this is what you have to deal with when you actively invest. Even if you have a property management company, you know we have plenty of stories where the management company's calling us, going, "Hey, we had this ridiculous thing happen at a property. Like, how would you like us to kind of handle it?" Yep. Even if you're not watching some guy do that, you're still like vaguely involved. Um, so a funny story that kind of sent my business on a different trajectory. <laughs> I didn't see that one coming, but yeah, that's, uh, yeah. there you go. <laughs> Indianapolis area. And I would say where I come from, that's not normal either. I'm going, oh, there's something wrong there. So, yeah. So yeah, more of the story. I mean, I don't, there's probably not many folks listening to this that still self-manage their properties, but just hire somebody like your life will be, life will just be so much better. Oh yeah, absolutely. Man, that's good stuff. Thank you. All right. So let's say uh, you have a conversation with somebody looking to get into real estate investing. What piece of advice would you give them from a marketing standpoint? And maybe you've already hit that. Maybe it's what you said, but uh, if somebody's like, dude, I'm getting started, well, what should I do? What would you say? Yeah. So I'm going to cater my advice to someone that's doing something similar to what I'm doing or looking to do something similar, I should say. Let's say you're trying to raise money to go buy multifamily properties, or you know, I guess you could just use commercial real estate in general, but you're you're looking to raise capital. I think that a lot of, there is a lot of advice out there about just get started, just get yourself out there, just, you know, go, 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 and you'll figure it out along the way. And I do think by and large, that is good advice in general, as it relates to, to starting a project or starting a business, what have you. But I think specifically as it relates to marketing in the world of trying to raise money, trying to go out there, meet investors and build these relationships, before you go out there and start sharing your story and, and, you know, having these conversations, you have to make sure your, your house is in order. And, and by that, I mean, and this is, you know, speaks exact directly to what you do and help people with, uh, in a lot of ways where it's like, just have a good website, have a company email, you know, if you're going to be sending videos or doing video content, like buy a decent camera or a good webcam, right? When you're meeting folks dress in a great way and, and, and present yourself in a more professional capacity. Make sure that you can speak the lingo and that you can, and that you really, really understand what you're talking about. And again, when people are investing money, all of this stuff is, you know, they might not be specifically screening you for it, but it's definitely something in the back of people's minds that, that inform how they feel about you, how they judge you, how they judge your business, et cetera. And you know, other examples are like, get a professionally designed pitch deck when you send out your deals. Don't do it yourself on PowerPoint, like have somebody on Upwork with a graphic design background, make it look really attractive. Get a professional email signature. Think about everything that a potential investor, partner, vendor, whoever is seeing when they interact with you and make sure all of that is really buttoned up and, and, and well thought out because you don't want to make it, it's already, it's hard enough to raise capital when you have all that stuff figured out. Like <laughs> raising capital is really challenging and just buying large pieces of real estate is really challenging. So you don't want to be shooting yourself in the foot before you even give yourself a chance to get in the game. So 
I think taking the time to button all of that up before you go do that stuff is going to, is just going to reduce the friction of you gaining progress. So by and large, I think that, you know, the perfectionist approach to most things in business might not be the best approach, but in this specific approach, I think it's, I think it's important. I think it's, you know, something that everyone should be mindful of. Yeah. It's great advice. And I'll, I'll tell you a story and you're going to go, man, where are you going with this story? Uh, but <laughs> I'll bring it around. I used to work in HR in the corporate world, and I'll never forget this. I worked for a company uh, called Interstate Warehousing Interstate. We'd uh, hire people to work on forklifts and freezers and office positions, things like that. And I was interviewing this guy one time, and just at a glance, you know, he looked nice for the interview, shirt tucked in, everything looked fine. But he sat across from me. I'll never forget this. I looked at his application and looked up at his arms. Both of his arms were covered in fresh blood. And I was like... <laughs> Not really the first impression I wanted to see. So the point of that story is to kind of tie to what you said and uh, first impressions do matter and everything. So, mm -hmm. yeah. yeah, you know, and, and I think we really get excited. We want to go out there. We want to, you know, and, and maybe you can get the friends and family money without doing that. You know, maybe you can get a few deals done, but you're just not going to scale a business and you might as well do it up front because the, the hardest money to raise is the money in the beginning. Yeah. And the hardest deals to do are the early deals where you you do not have the benefit of the doubt with anybody that's speaking with you. So just make it easier and, and kind of bind that stuff up before you get on that road. Absolutely. All right. So like we're in January of 2023. Now the time of recording, what are you focused on in your business kind of for the rest of this year? What excites you about 2023? Yeah. So um, we got a lot of stuff going on. So we're growing our team internally from like a, a hiring standpoint. So I, back in September of 2022, I hired a director of operations, you know, full-time salary in the U.S. to help asset manage, to help transaction coordination, to help us really operate our deals. I'm now hiring an acquisitions manager to help us underwrite deals, source deals, develop the relationships with sellers and brokers. And, uh, you know, for me, I have been spending an increasing percentage of my time raising money because it's harder to raise money nowadays because of the uncertainty in the real estate business. And also just on, you know, trying to become a better like business owner, manager, leader, et cetera. And when I think about where we want to go, which is buying 750,000, 1500 units a year and operating them, you can't do that unless you have a team. Like it's just, that doesn't work. And if you are doing those deals without a team, you're not operating them effectively and you're probably just stressed out beyond all belief, just if you're a solopreneur. So yeah. it's just, you know, for me, I resisted hiring for so long because I didn't feel like I could afford it. And I didn't really know what the right point to do that was in the business. And now I'm like, you know, just had a mindset shift where I'm like, it's just not possible to get there unless we have a team. So that's what I've been spending my time on. And that's what I'll continue to spend my time on throughout this year is really dialing in the folks that we have in our business and, and building the systems and the processes required to scale. And on the deal side, we're still buying multifamily in New Hampshire. We're still buying multifamily in Florida. We're getting much more conservative with our underwriting in terms of using fixed rate debt versus any kind of bridge debt. You know, we're, we're, we're really placing an emphasis on going direct to seller to find deals and not competing with other buyers and buying at the right price. We're making sure that we overraise so that we have, you know, significant working capital and we're just planning to hold for five to seven years. And that's what we communicate to all the folks that are involved in our deals, whether it's investors, partners, or whoever. Uh, and all of our decisions align with that criteria. So still looking to do deals for sure, because, you know, that's how we keep growing the business. But for me personally, it's it's becoming a better leader of the folks in our business and really developing the the foundation, the platform, the systems, the processes, putting the tools in place and setting up everybody in our business to succeed 
so that we can take advantage of what's going to happen likely in 24 and into 25 and and actually you know get to a place where the business can buy thousands of units every year whereas right now it's we're doing two three hundred a year for comparison purposes yeah it's beautiful and it's like just something i like to drive with people taking what you said and making a point here is control freaks can't scale period you got to learn to let go and and let people do what you've hired them to do. And like with our team, it's like, hey, here's the end result we want. You go on the process. If you need help, let me know. And for a lot of people in that position, it's like, man, this is like kind of wild, but people really thrive and they really get engaged and they become addicted to what you're doing in the business. And it's a beautiful, beautiful thing, but uh, you definitely have to step out of your own way to make that happen. Exactly. But if somebody listening wants to get more info about you or what you're working on now, what's the best place they could do so online? Sure. So if you're a passive investor and you're interested in investing in value-add multifamily uh, with a team that's got a proven track record, you can go to alignedrep.com, which is short for you know Aligned Real Estate Partners, alignedrep.com slash invest to get on our list. And if you're an active investor and you're somebody who's out there finding deals, operating deals, et cetera, go find me on Instagram at Multifamily Wealth and host the Multifamily Wealth a podcast as well, where we talk everything multifamily for the folks that are more active in the business. Awesome, man. Well, I appreciate it. I really enjoyed this. I hope you did as well. And uh, thanks for coming on the show, man. Yeah. I appreciate the invite, Jason. It was a great conversation. Thank you. Yep. Thank you for listening to this episode of the show. I had a great time making it and I hope you really enjoyed yourself listening to it. If you want to keep up with all things Real Estate Investor Marketing Stories podcast related, I encourage you strongly to go to reimarketingstories.com and signing up for our podcast newsletter. We will simply keep you up to date with what's going on with the show, new episodes, and things like that. reimarketingstories.com. So hopefully today's episode and the other episodes that you'll listen to will remind you that as a real estate investor, everybody starts at the beginning, okay? Um, Our guest today and the other guests that you will hear on the show will share their real story, right? They'll tell you what worked, what didn't work. And I want you to remember one thing if you remember nothing else today. It's possible for you to, okay? Never stop going and keep following your passion. Finally, today's show has been brought to you by CapitalRaisingAutomations.com. If you're an active capital raiser, you are ready to learn the three areas that are holding me back from raising more capital, I strongly suggest you check out CapitalRaisingAutomations.com. Check out our free 10-minute video there, and you let me know if it doesn't provide you value. I'm sure it will. All right, thanks again for listening to the show this week. Hope to see you next time. Take care.